June 11th. We turn our attention now to the New Testament and the reading for today. It'll come from the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 51, and go through chapter 8, verse 13. And here's what's going on there. The main thrust of Stephen's message is that Israel always resisted the truth and rejected the deliverers God sent to them. They opposed Moses and repeatedly wanted to return to Egypt. They opposed Joseph, and he later became their Redeemer. They rejected the many prophets God sent to warn them and call them back to His way. Finally, they rejected their own Messiah and crucified Him. Israel's history reveals the patience of God and the hardness of man's heart. But it also reveals a ray of hope. Israel rejected their deliverers the first time, but accepted them the second time. And now let's begin our reading in the New Testament for today. June 11th, Acts chapter 7, verse 51, through chapter 8, verse 13. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? But your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the Righteous One, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily upward into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears, and drowning out his voice with their shouts, they rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. The official witnesses took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Saul was one of the official witnesses at the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles fled into Judea and Samaria. Some godly men came and buried Stephen with loud weeping. Saul was going everywhere to devastate the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into jail. But the believers who had fled Jerusalem went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to what he had to say because of the miracles he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, claiming to be someone great. The Samaritan people, from the least to the greatest, often spoke of him as 
the Great One, the power of God. He was very influential because of the magic he performed. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the great miracles and signs Philip performed. I will not put my feet on the floor in the morning until I talk to God. Can you say without hesitation that God is first in your life? It's silly to say that we don't have time for God. And if we don't have time for him, that he's not first in our lives. Do you think about God and his goodness in your life? Do you take time to thank God for your blessings, even little ones? Live to please the Lord. Make decisions that are pleasing to God. How many times do we decide to put God first, but then the keeping him first becomes an issue because in case you haven't noticed, the world is full of things to distract us. I'm sure you've experienced, you make a decision that you're going to pray every morning and study the word before you do anything else. And man, all of a sudden it's nighttime and you don't even know what happened, but that plan you made didn't work out. And so more than anything, now I want you to listen to me, more than anything, the devil will fight you about keeping God first in your time, in your finances, and in many, many, many different ways. You see, here's the thing that you don't want to do. I found myself many years ago trying so hard to work God into my schedule. And finally one day the Lord said, why don't you just work your schedule around me? So are you trying to find a place to put God into your schedule? Or would you be willing today to say, God, from now on, you're going to be first, and I don't care what else has to go, or what I have to change, what I have to make an adjustment in. I want to keep you first in my life in everything. Let me tell you, being a Christian just does not work out right if God is a sideline in your life. He doesn't want to just be part of your Sunday morning. He wants to be welcomed into and be a vital part of everything that you do. Millions of people believe in Jesus and go to church on Sunday. But God is not first in their life. He puts you first in his life. Do you know that? Every single one of you is first in God's thoughts. And I want you to understand this today. You are on God's mind all the time. He's always thinking about you. We could not even count the thoughts that God has toward us. They would be like little grains of sand on the beach. Before you ever arrived on planet Earth, God made a plan for every single day of your life. He won't force you to walk in it, but he would like you to walk in it. 
He would like to guide you and lead you through life. And literally, let me say it again, be involved in everything you do. In every decision you make, God wants to be part of it. That's what Jesus died for us to have. Boy, we sure need God when we're desperate. Well, you know, we can't just go to God when we're desperate. That's not a walk with God. You say, you mean to tell me that I need to spend time with God every day? How about like about every five minutes? God is not for the emergencies in our life. He is our life. Well, so we can just keep trying to do a bunch of stuff without him and just fail time after time and hopefully we'll finally get it. That's what happened to me. Now, some of you are still young enough that you think, oh man, I just, I gotta get married, I gotta have kids, I gotta climb the ladder of success, you know. Well, that's good. Do all that. But if you do all that without God, you'll come to the end of it and you'll still be very dissatisfied. <laughs> You're going to be like a person roaming around in the wilderness, seeing one mirage after another that you think has got the water that you need. <laughs> well, this will make me happy. Well, this will make me happy. Well, this will make me happy. Nothing is going to make you happy content and satisfied you may you may go and enjoy a vacation and you're happy while you're there but who wants to just enjoy certain events and days in their life I want to enjoy every single ordinary day of my life every day Today, we're reading from Psalm 129, where we'll see Israel's afflictions are compared to the plowing of a field. Think of what it would be like to be face down in the dirt while a plow goes down your back. If the Lord is allowing people to plow your back, well, it's happening because He's planned a harvest. Just be sure you plant the right kind of seed. If you plant anger and malice, you will not reap the blessings of the Lord. Be careful. Second, you trust the Lord to help you. In His own time, He will stop the plows and cut the cords so they cannot plow anymore. All their efforts will be useless. Plowing times can be productive times. Psalm 129, verses 1 through 8, a song for the ascent to Jerusalem. From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. Let Israel now say, From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me, but they have never been able to finish me off. My back is covered with cuts, as if a farmer had plowed long furrows. But the Lord is good. He has cut the cords used by the ungodly to bind me. May all who hate Jerusalem be turned back in shameful defeat. May they be as useless as grass on a rooftop, turning yellow when only half-grown, ignored by the harvester, despised by the binder. And may those who pass by refuse to give them this blessing. The Lord's blessings be upon you. We bless you in the Lord's name. Proverbs 17, verse 1. A dry crust eaten in peace is better than a great feast with strife.